Hey folks, uh, welcome to a new episode of In Search of Zen, we're your host AJ Bate. And Jason Allen. Uh, this is the first time we're recording an intro separate from the actual uh, episode itself. Yeah. Just goes to show you how much fun we were having. It's true, we had a great guest. Dave Merhez. Yeah. Lovely guy, uh, one of uh, the best comics I've met, uh, you've just, even on a personal level, he's just a sweet man. Absolutely, yeah, very nice guy. Very nice guy, and we look forward uh, for you guys to listen to this episode and get to know him more, and also fall in love with him as much as we did. Yeah, you can check him out. Absolutely. Uh, he's got a special on Netflix. Yes, comedians, comedians around the world. Around the world. The Canadian one. Canadian one. He's also, you've seen him on Mr. D, you've Mr. seen him on Rami. Yep. A very talented dude, and we kind of just uh, start recording because the conversation was just flowing with them so well. It, it we was just, from the beginning. It kicked off uh, very smoothly. Yes, we just dove in. But uh, yep. we really hope you guys like the episode. Absolutely. So enjoy it, guys, and uh, we'll see you uh, the next episode. Yeah. All right. Bye. send me into another paranoia like i remember sitting there doing the blood work and i was like fuck man it was just constant like more anxiety on top of more anxiety <laughs> this was just a visit to see my family It's like even when you grow up, you're still like your parents still bring you agony somehow. They're like it, it doesn't go away. <laughs> you're trying to do the right thing, but now you have high cholesterol. Like what the fuck? <laughs> and how's your dad? He's like he's like eighty. I think you would get this. Would you get this reference of like you know me and me and another uh, Middle Eastern person. It's actually the, uh, she plays the sister on Rami. We were just joking about oh, how okay. Middle Easterners, uh, they won't, like my mom won't tell me certain things about my dad's health. Yeah. She'll like hide it and tell me five months later. Yeah. And we were just saying that like our, that's what our parents do. Like they could be lowering the coffin behind you. And then yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, just, fine. everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry. No, no, he's just sleeping. It's just like, well, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> that is great. It's just sleeping. Yeah. You're like, no, he's dead. <laughs> and it's so weird that parents, like, our parents will only support the career once, like, something bad's happening. Like, you're busy. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Everything is fine. Go ahead. You're, yes. you're busy. You're a busy yeah. guy. But then when everybody's healthy, when, like, if everything's like, a, what are you doing with your life? It's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, you can, like, can't it just all be positive? Like, you, like you have to fucking, they always find a way to balance it out. It's, it's, it's dude, I, I, I figured you would, I, I just remember we were laughing oh, so no. much. 
I think he's 80, bro. I want to say he's 80, but he looks, he would look like 50 wow. or 60. And he has the energy of like, like he can still do push-ups if you're like, do push-ups and he'll get that down. Do, do you yell that at your dad a lot? <laughs> do push-ups. Well, no, he challenges <laughs> like, He challenges you? No, my niece is like, okay. my niece is like five, Katie, and she can do like push-ups. She like gets down and does them and it's just, so he, as a joke, will go down there as well and do them. Yeah, yeah. Like and stuff. That's fucking awesome, dude. Which is like crazy for a guy who's like pushing 80. 100%. No, that's, that's insanely yeah, good. Yeah, so you're good, right? My knees? Huh? Like me? You mean I'm good? Like it's, it's like your dad's 80 and he's still doing push-ups and keeping up with your knees. Yeah, his dad was doing okay, right? Well, his dad lived till he was 100. And then his dad's, his dad's siblings are over 100 years old. They were at the funeral. Yeah, when my grandfather passed away, he was 97 years old. So it's like, you know, I'm hoping, you know, I, I also don't want to push it too much because I've, yeah. <laughs> I've seen him at the end. And it's like, oof, fucking kill me. Like, I just. No, you don't want to be. You don't want to push it. No, you don't, you don't want to be 97. No, no. Like, he would wake. Because I, I live with him. Like, at the pain. Yeah. yeah. Like, I live with him at the end of his days. And he would, like, wake up at 5 a.m. in his bed. And he would, like, be, like, calling out for anybody. So I would wake up and, like, hey, Grandpa, what's up? And he was like, uh, get me watermelons and batteries. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> So what wow, was okay. So what was happening in his dream? Well, he, he, well, here's the two things about my grandfather. He always loved the radio on, and he loved watermelons. So he just woke up, and he was like, these are the two things I want in my life. life. Batteries for my radio. It doesn't matter the time of night or day or the fact that I woke up from the middle of my sleep. You know, he doesn't care. In, in his mind, it's like 5 p.m. Well, let me ask you, the watermelons, like we love watermelons because my mom would take pita bread and put cheese in the pita yes. bread, roll yes. it, and yes. then you would eat the watermelon at the same time. Yes. And so especially with red, with red tea too, like for some reason, yes. like we like yeah. love doing that. Yeah. So he so loved watermelon. Watermelon okay. was like his favorite fruit. And uh, he loved, he always fought with my grandma about batteries because she would always tell him, you don't need batteries. And he's always worried about his radio dying. Because, you know, because, you know, it's just that, you know, mental health was not big at their time. But what it is, I think my grandfather is like, he wants something, a constant voice going on because he doesn't want to be alone with his thoughts. <laughs> but they were not sophisticated that much at the time. So it just translated to like, oh, I just want my radio on. But really what it is, he just don't want to be alone with his thoughts. Fighting with my grandma. Because the, the, when you said that, it, it makes, you said, you said that, you know, back then, I still think now it's not even like, like, oh, no, no. Like speaking about mental health in the Middle Eastern community is like, God, no. like God, no. I don't, I don't, yeah, they don't, yeah, it's like, because my dad, my sister has like a lot of anxiety. My dad's always uh, confused by it. He just yes. doesn't get it. Yes. Like, I don't yes. Know. yes. And doesn't try to enter into that world yeah. at all. Yes. I think there's a lot of people from older generations though too. Like my dad doesn't get it. He goes like, we'll say the same, like my brother's got some mental health issues. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, I don't get this whole mental anguish stuff. And I'm like, dude, he was in the hospital. Like he was in trouble. We had to help him. Like, you know, it's funny. Mental anguish nonsense. I'm like, stop calling it nonsense. You can't say that around him. Well, look, I'll be honest. I'm like 40 and the old, the Canadian kids I grew up with, are I feel were just a different 
type of breed than the Canadian kids now. Like I feel the like again, like the older generation, like right. mental health. Like I don't think their parents were like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, uh, so I grew up on Windsor, uh, Ontario, and it was not like I grew up with like these kids were like really rough kids. Yeah, like, right. Kids, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like where fighting was your thing. At, like in ten years old, you were already like just getting into like multiple street fights. There wasn't much talk of like. You know how it is. You couldn't really talk your feelings out. Yeah, God, yeah. No, no, no. And I met some of their parents, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't imagine them being like they would be baffled by mental health as well. So yeah, I don't. Yeah. It's necessarily Middle Eastern um, parents. Is I think it's a lot of that older generation. But with Middle Eastern parents, I feel sometimes they try to act like it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Right. And I'll tell you this because I lived. I'll, you're so true because like you know looking back at my life because i lived in libya for for a long period of time and we had somebody uh it wasn't really necessarily close in the family but somebody that we knew uh, she passed away all of a sudden and i was like 13 at the time so you know everybody was like well you know you know that arab thing we're like oh she woke up one day and she just you know one day was she just didn't wake up that's, you know, yeah. that's pretty much everybody that dies right, of something right. that's sleeping. They just sleep. didn't wake she, up. They just okay. didn't wake up. And it's like, people are just like, I'm not going to, people, sleeping is dangerous. Like, people just <laughs> fall asleep in the Middle East. People fall asleep and don't wake up. And then one time, I remember, you know, because at the wake and Arab stuff, like, we, like, we, you know, you bring a cook and she cooks for, like, you know, a lot of people that come over for three yeah. your day. So one time we were driving her home at the end of the, one of the nights and, you know, the cook she just you know blabbered it out she's like oh you know yeah she didn't know that i was part of the family she just thought it was a kid that was just driving her home right so she goes oh you know did you hear the lady of this funeral she uh, committed suicide and i was like what yeah oh no and that's how what you find it. and that's how i found out but yeah. even then like i couldn't come up to my mom and say it so like me and my cousins were doing it like an investigation on our own and then we were like, yeah, that's, I heard the same thing. And then it turns out that she like, you know, committed suicide. Yeah, yeah. But, and so the sentiment after she passes away, like, oh, poor thing, she was struggling. But at the time, everybody was like, ah, you know, she's just whatever, you know, she's kooky, she's blah, blah, blah. She's yeah, they don't want to, um, you know, my, my uncle, my, my aunt suffers from schizophrenia. Uh, my other we uncle went through, no. went through like a, a drug addiction period where he's, he's healthy now and he's fine. But I mean, a lot of times my grandmother wouldn't really admit, say that she would be like, he's lost. Or there was a thing that where they would keep away from the community. He's not connected to God. He's not, you know, like, you know, yeah, yeah, the easy fixes, you know, like whatever. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to, because it's like, I guess they didn't want the family to be looked upon. Of course. Maybe. No, I know. It's selfish. It's selfish. It's like, it's not, they make it about them and not about the person. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like interesting growing up in, in Canada and not having, you know, growing up and, you know, I just started to see a therapist like within the last two years, like, wow, man. like every, every week I see, I, I chat with a therapist for about an hour. So it was like, it took a long time, but it's just like different generations, like you said, because I try to tell my family, like this is, and my brothers and my siblings, I'd be like, yo, this is a very, it's a very helpful thing. Yeah. You know, if you take out the if you take out the stereotypes which I had, I had multiple stereotypes of, of the therapist. I thought it was like the TV where they just fucking listen to you and they just do this and like yeah, yeah. Uh, they write on their how whatever do you feel? Fucker, right. And I'm like, no, that's not yeah. That's what it's like. <laughs> uh, but it's it's very very helpful. So I I remember telling my family over Christmas, and my mom goes, "They were just 
my mom was baffled. She goes, why? Hello. Like she goes, they would say, yes. why? Because they I think it's a shortcoming on their end, right? It's like, yes. well, we raised you, right? We were great. Yeah. Like, no, it's not about that. Well, it, it, and you don't want to be like, hey, man, it's you You were a part of it. You contributed. You, you contributed. Right. Yeah, then they, then they fall apart. Then they think yeah, they're yeah. failure. But it's not, that's not the case. And then my, I remember my brother being like, uh, yo, for real? Like, <laughs> I was like, yo, is he, you good? I'm like, no, I'm not good. That's the whole point. It's like you were a gay person that said you had AIDS, and it's like it's not the same. But I mean, who's good in seeing a therapist? Like, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah, I've been talking to you guys for a long time. That's why I'm going to a fucking therapist. But I, I don't know. I try to like, kind of like, try to slip it in as much as I can. You know what I mean? Especially my sister. She she battles with anxiety uh, probably more than I do. So, but it takes time, man. It's gonna take time to I think for the, that community. You kind of make it make it to normalize it and and introduce it into a family dynamic of course absolutely yeah do you uh are you the oldest i am the oldest is myself my sister mary and my two younger brothers so yeah I, we have like this similar configuration i'm the oldest and i have two sisters and a young brother so i kind of like do the same thing too with like not just necessarily mental health but like a lot of things that are like kind of like you know you know, taboos or whatever to kind of like, you know, I've get, you know, you know, I love my parents, but I kind of given up on like trying to like get some stuff to them. So I just kind of work on my siblings, just like, Hey guys, just, you know, yeah. it's okay to like to feel this way. It's okay. This, you can talk about it. You know, like you kind of like, just, right. you know, let's, I'm just going to, you know, save the kids, you know what I mean? And then just, yeah, it's like, I try to teach my sister. It's like, sometimes like, you know, uh, sometimes our mom would say some things that, you know, hurt her feeling, but it's, my mom's acting out of an emotional way and she may not understand what the ramification of what she said will affect my sister. So my sister kind of gets in, in into it and she's like, fuck, those are right. And I try to tell her, I'm like, if you learn how to decipher, just she's in an emotional situation. She doesn't truly mean these things she says to you that you may consider mean. I think you can operate a lot better. And it's just hard because she doesn't, you know, if you're not taught those things or you're not talking it out, you're just going to think. It's a face value. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you can't take everything with a Middle Eastern mother or father at face value. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You're very true. Because yeah. they are emotional and they'll say things. And you'll, like, you'll realize, like, you know, our parents are really good because then afterwards, like, your parents will say, like, I really didn't mean saying that. It was just, you know. But it's like, part of you is like, well, why did you feel the need to say that? But at the same time, you're like, I get who you guys are you know what i mean it's like not yeah, it's not malicious it's emotional but it's like so much struggle could have been avoided if you guys just really like thought about it but you again they reach a certain age where like they can't change who they are that's just no that's what i mean exactly you it's, have to adapt right it's just that's because they'll be like very emotional and then they'll yeah they're like i didn't i didn't mean it yeah but you're like you had it what drove you to that point exactly exactly you would, they would like yeah it, but it was then as a kid you kind of normalize it. you're like yo my mom just said some wild ass shit to me oh yeah <laughs> and you're just like you just kind of i would always throw feelers i'd be like to my other friends i'm like yo your parents say this and they'd be like nah man <laughs> 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 what's going on at your household i'm like ah because my mom would in arabic would say i hope to see you in coffins <laughs> 
Dude, my mom would literally say when she would get angry, because she had us when she was very young, so like she couldn't like, you know, she wasn't mature herself. Like she, so when she get really mad and like, you know, you know, like trying to beat us up or anything, she was like, oh, I wish I never had you guys. Like she would literally just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah just it. But then afterwards she would be like, oh, are you hungry? Like, I'm like, that's yeah. kind of like a little bit fucked up, but okay, yeah, I could go for some sandwich. It didn't. It didn't resonate after a while. No, you, like, did, like, you don't think of it because, well, especially, it, it probably was worse for you because you grew up in Canada. For me, it was in the Middle East. So all my neighbor's moms said those things to them. So I wasn't really alone. Oh, yeah. So for me, it was much easier. So I was like, ah, you know, she's just acting out, whatever, you know. Like one time my mom like wanted to beat me up, but I wouldn't get close to her. So she's like, oh, if you don't come in and let me beat you up, then you're going to stay outside. And she literally let me like, like kick me out of the house for like three hours until my dad came home and I had to walk in behind him. I'm like, who the fuck does that? Dude, my mom once, I was like, I'm not eating this. She goes, well, then you're going outside. I go, yeah, sure. And I was outside. I watched them eat through the window. <laughs> Damn, she really meant that. She's like looking at me like, I told you I wasn't bluffing. I'm like, okay, fair enough. But granted, I I never refused her after. I ate whatever I ate. I was like, I'm not staying outside. But, it, I think they stayed but it's because, not healthy, though, to teach them kids. It's not healthy at all. I would not have it that. But I mean, like, that's what I mean, where they would act this emotional, but I don't think they meant it. No, no, because they were emotional. Yeah, yeah. Your parents are pretty, like, private people. Like, they don't want to... Like, they're not, like, super open about certain stuff with the public. Again, like you were saying, like, they're kind of, like, they don't want the community knowing. Yeah, with certain things like that. But, I mean, like, with jokes, I, I run certain issues with them about jokes, and they're very open. So you run them. it by them first? Oh, that's good. All the time. Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. That's good. I, not, there's, if it's very touchy, I will. Like, my dad doesn't give a shit what I say about him. Like, he just loves it. He just loves the idea that he's being talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's like, you know, but... My mom's very touchy about God because she's like very super religious. So if you make fun of God and if you start talking about the family in a negative way, she might have a. Uh, Does your mom get upset if you like maybe in one of her one of your jokes you might paint her in a little bit of a negative light? She's yeah. like, because exactly. Middle Eastern moms they romanticize the idea of like a son and a mother because they yeah. watch all these black and white movies where the son ends up well marrying a bitch wife. And then she like kicks the mom out. So every Middle Eastern mom in the back of her head, she's worried that she will end up being that. Yeah, yeah. Dude, okay, that okay. shit doesn't exist. Don't worry. Like, I, I love you. <laughs> Don't worry. You kind of like, the only time, like, she's also like very anxiety ridden. and, and has, Yeah, like, I wonder, all our parents are a mess. They're, 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 yeah. It's, it's, I, yeah. I called her once. I called her during the, when I had to do the Netflix taping, because it was mostly about my parents. And I was like, Mom, I'm I'm gonna talk about how you're you're cleaning. It's gonna be on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you comfortable with that? And she's like, sure. She didn't really, and then she she's watched it, and she's never you know brought up anything where you know she know they know I'm joking. Like there's a part where where there's a joke where they get into a fight, and my mom tells my dad, you don't think I can fuck a younger guy? Like obviously that your business is out there, but she knows it's comedy. Of course, so she yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. It. it was like whatever, you know what I mean? And you know there was a. There was a uh, a joke I was gonna do. I was I, I was uh, my brother-in-law told me he's you know he met two of my ex-girlfriends and he goes uh, he goes hey he goes you you put pussy on a pedestal don't you he looked to me and I was like 
I was like, he, he, yeah, he's like, you shouldn't put pussy on a pedestal as much as you do. That's what he said to me. And I was like, oh, and I was just thinking in my head, I go, he puts my sister's pussy on a pedestal though. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think he should, you know what I mean? I don't want to like, talk to I hope you're doing like, that. Oh, but I had to ask her if I can do that joke. And she goes, I don't give a shit. And then I'm like, shit, I got to ask him. Of course, yeah. I had to get on the phone with him and, and recite what I just recited to you, yeah. to him on the phone. And he was like, yeah, dog. He's like, whatever, bro. He's like, he grew up in Detroit. So, yeah. and, and, then, and now he lives in Windsor because right. he's my sister. And I didn't end up using the joke. It didn't fit in. But that probably was the most awkward thing to say pussy on a pedestal in front of my sister, to my sister and then her husband was, but other than that, they're pretty open with much of the information that we, that we experience to be out to the public and stuff like that. Yeah, I find like, oh no, my dad's probably more cool with my jokes about him than my mom is, but my mom's like been married six times and I have jokes about dad and I won't do them in front of my mom. Cause she's very much like she wants to be viewed as a stable person when she's not. No, they will You don't I, get married six times if you're together. You know? Yeah, you're not. But I'll say this though. Say it in front of her. <laughs> I also don't want to generalize when I say this. I'm just saying from most of the Middle Eastern comedians I've met and their their relationship with their parents and about telling jokes. I found my parents are uh, were a lot more laid back than most of the parents. I was, I, I was, because I was gonna say, because I was gonna say, like from what you're saying, like it seems like that, because, yeah. um, I mean, you know, like for me, my my parents, like they know that I do stand up, and it's like something I want to pursue, but they've never seen me perform live, and neither do I want them, at least, at least not for now. You know what I mean? So. Like part of me is also like hesitant. Like they don't know all the stuff that goes in my act too. Like I've only told them a few of the jokes that I'm doing and they like those and it's not necessarily about them. So they were like, but, but I don't even know how they would react if I did it to, if I did end up doing jokes about them, I don't know how they would react to them either. So it's yeah. like new uncharted territory to me, but hearing you saying it, uh, I definitely don't see my parents being as much laid back, but it, I'm very happy that yours are. And it's really great. Oh yeah. I, I've been like very blessed that way and thankful because my mom, since I was like uh, 19, she's like, you can pursue, you should pursue stand up. You can pursue it. Wow. Just, grad, just graduate from college, which I did for her. Yeah. That's pretty much for them really. Yeah. For them. Yeah. Which was also hilarious because a year or this year, so I went to school, so I'm in college. I went to school for marketing at St. Clair College. A student, a friend, a guy I went to school with, George Rabideau. I saw him in Montreal. He was in town and he was at the, he was at the, uh, the Dirty Show uh, with Andrew Schultz, Big J Okerson. So he, I, we, I, he's like, Dave? I, and I was like, yo, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I'm here for work, but I'm gonna catch your show, the ethnic show tomorrow. And then he messages me. He's like, hey man, I submitted your name to, uh, the uh the school to have like the alumni they do it every like little once in a while and i'm like well i didn't pursue marketing and no. he's like you know whatever comedy's like marketing yourself <laughs> so, like in eight, last year the president of the school called me or the vice president he goes hey man you've been you've been abducted into the thing or whatever it's called i'm like what you can tell why I didn't stay in school after that. So 
he, I go, this is wild because I, he goes, and again, he goes, look, you didn't really use the marketing thing, but comedy, he did the same joke. Everyone was doing the same kind of like, and there was going to be like a, a, a fucking, a dinner dude. And wow. it was going to be in Windsor and um, my family was going to be, and I was very proud. I was like, yeah, oh, shit. Cause my mom wanted me to graduate, but then COVID happened and we couldn't do the dinner, but then they put us in the, they put the alumni in the hallways. <laughs> yeah. I'm only I'm only picturing uh, your your like alumni guy the, the ones that are with you like they're probably pissed off at you like this guy. Fucking yeah, that's what I mean. So if you go down the hallway, he's fucking on Netflix and fucking he's having a free dinner and his parents are there with him. Fuck, and like they're probably like pissed off. Bro, they use my headshot for the alumni. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I'm seeing the event. <laughs> So what made me laugh, what made me so proud of it, it was that my mom, I remember her being like, you can chase whatever you want, but just please get me an education. So to yeah. be able to years later to get the that thing so that it's in the school, it's going to be in that school forever. You know what I'm so, saying? So for her, she can tell her, uh, you know, yeah. uh, relatives and all that, that, and her sisters, like my son graduated from know we're in Canada he graduated from university yeah it's really more for them honestly and and it's one of those things where it's like you because I went I went through engineering school and I'm looking at it now I'm like yeah I really didn't really take much out of it like you know it's whatever you know like it was like four years sure. like, and you're young and I'm you young like that young doesn't and, it doesn't yeah, really take much out sure. of your life you know what I mean like but, I was trying to I was trying to leave my boy Jad Jad's Lebanese guy he's in Lebanon now but he was like bro just stay I was gonna jump out. Mm. Like, just stay, dude. Just stay with us. So, I I just wanted I because you can graduate on a two year program, but he made me. He was like, just stay for the third year, and I'm glad I did. But yeah, I wasn't really like I was so focused on comedy. I was writing jokes during class yeah. that I just didn't want to disappoint my mother. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't like really geeked about it. But I just remember years later, just getting that being part of this process. I was like, I just found it very funny. And then being able to tell her and then, you know, but, you know, she was proud, obviously. I remember I got the diploma and I gave it to her. So she has the diploma, she has a diploma, a homegrown award, and a Juno. Because I give her everything. Wow. Just, That's very nice. I don't really That's like so sweet, even, man. Yeah, I've never really even sat with those awards. Like, I never, I never had them sent to me. And then... I hung out with them like that sounds weird to hang out with them, but I mean, I never, I just would, I would just ship them right away to my mom. Because <laughs> honestly, for you, I mean, you know, you want to, you know, you know, yeah, you're on Netflix. Knows. You don't it, need to look these at things, it yeah, yourself, these right? things mean more like, to her, you know, because sure. you understand, like, yeah, it's just it, for her, it's it makes her feel like my son has a, his yeah. Juno, and you know, have, you want you know, a Juno, like, yeah, and she can have her friends come over and she'll point them out. Like, you would never have your buddies come no. over and be pointing out your awards that like a fucking yeah. psychopath, yeah, but your mom will do that and love it, right? So, that's mine was her. Uh, I look at it as I got to be there in the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like for me, my self-esteem is so low that if I have a Juno, I would be hiding right. it because I'm like, if my friends come over, like, what are you fucking, oh, Mr. Juno, big guy here. And I'm oh, like, yeah, nah. We, so I would just hide it yeah. and be like, uh, <laughs> you know, just no way. It's funny that you say that I saw, I was on, I was on a Just for Laughs. I was doing their, their, their IG to promote a show. And I saw some, some idiot Twitter or Instagram troll go, something like who gives a fuck about a Juno, right? But I found 
I found the, that uh, it's not even just about the Juno. It's like the way I, I feel Canadians, I feel when Canadians are like, I'm Canadian and I'm proud are full of shit. Yeah. It's like, they, they, you don't, they don't support Canadian things. Nope. There's such nope. American dick riders. And it's like, goes out to majority of the population of like when America, when Canadians complain, why don't we have it like America? It's you because you look at a Juno and think it's, it's, it's not worth anything. It's a plastic. Yeah. yeah. You think it's just bullshit, which it's not because there's a lot of talented artists from Canada musically as well that have won Junos that should be proud. And I understand that Grammys are televised more and are might be It's the highest thing we have in Canada. It's the highest thing we have in Canada. And if you think it's not, it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't mean anything, then you try go get a, you try go get a Juno. And and it's like, why should I like lower my, happiness and proud of myself to make you like validate yeah. your feelings toward the june i'm like i don't give a fuck that's the whole thing in canada is that like no matter what you do it's always like you're told like keep your fucking head down just keep your so head yeah, that's, down. Don't be but, that's, but that's what i mean of like the conditioning is just not us the conditioning is just the average person has been conditioned to um to 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 have this this uh love for america that downplays Canada, not just our, in our industry, just in general. When in you general, hear, in every industry, in sports. It's in- like when you hear fucking Canadians are like, yeah, man, I, I like Trump. You're like, you fucking Fine. can't even vote. You're not even in that country, dude. You're no, such a loser. Yeah, what are you, you're such a loser for like backing it so much or being so involved. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's just weird. a dumb, this is not, it's something me and uh, this very funny comedian, Nathan McIntosh is also Canadian. We had, yeah, we had him on the podcast. Yeah, I love Nathan. Oh, okay, so he ha- he always screams about this. I don't want to, and it makes me laugh. He screams about this like a lot because that's why. Because I, I just referenced it to you guys. He's always like, I don't understand why Canadians vote for Trump or or thing. And I and he co- talks about it all the time. But it's just like I think it's just even deeper than that. It's just like how we're so embedded with American pop culture that it's just like we we've over the years learned to downplay the Junos or Canadian awards, we just kind of shit on it. You know what I mean? We just kind of like, go ahead. No, no, and, and to your, yeah. like now that you live in the States, now let's say that, you know, after a few years, like you win, like, let's say an Emmy or a Grammy for your comedy, then people in Canada are gonna be like, Dave Merhez, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you do realize that but Dave Merhez was funny, like, the whole time. you know, five years yeah. ago or something like too. He didn't change. He's the same Dave Morehead. It's just that yeah. now he has more eyes on him, but because he's got like an American award, all of a sudden now he's worth your support. And also at the same time, now he doesn't need your support because he already like he's already achieving stuff. So like you're even like late yeah. to the party for it. Like where were you when I really needed you? When I was like was good, but like nobody knew who I was, and I needed that you know you know support from people, and it just it's fucked up. It's so weird. Yeah, it's like, you know, the anxiety, the anxiety now, to be honest with you, it's like, you know, the more, the more I do stuff in America, the more there's no real pressure to, to uh, care about that stuff. Like, 100%. like what you just said. So it's like, I used to like worry about it more, but now I'm like, yeah, so be it if I win. It was like, actually, this is what happened. It's like a friend of mine, a US comic goes, oh man, that's, He's like, oh, I saw the clips from Mr. D. That's so cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a Canadian show. And he goes, it's TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> put it into that perspective. He goes, yeah. it's TV, bro. Like, I'm, 
he was basically saying, he's like, I'm not on TV. Because you're downplaying you're you're down down it. And he was like, no, dude, it's a TV credit. Like, yeah. You know, that's that's from my conditioning of being hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I was like not even knowing that I was doing it, and that's what happens when you just kind of like it's it's like it's 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 like when people were like, oh man, you're on this American show, you're on on Rami, and then you know, but now it's just like I can feel their level of excitement. Like you said, I didn't really change. I was still funny. Yeah, you before, yeah, but you, these like. These credits, like, is it's like, oh, it's in America. It's an American TV show. Yes. Oh, Oof, and you would see people shift, yes. which is so, uh, I don't get angry. I don't care. It's just more of like, because it's, I let it go. Cause I'm like, well, I'm just having fun being a part of this project. That's absolutely, you know, and like, you, you know, you know, your, your, your success that you're enjoying right now is like something that you just, you know, you just, you know, it's good to, to have it it's good to be in the moment and you when you get to that point uh, you know i only imagine that you know all that other stuff is just noise and like ah, i don't really care if you support it or not i'm doing what i'm doing and uh, i'm just yeah i'm just enjoying this and i'm enjoying being part of it and like living your you know your dream of like you know being a stand-up comic who is on great tv shows yeah. like rammy and all that stuff and uh that's you you hit you exactly hit all the points you kind of just go i just at one point i was just like well I, i'm still working that's like yeah. it's very tough to get work the, uh, and then i'm a part of something i actually i'm not i'm very proud of meaning i would i would i'm a hundred percent part of something that's dope that i would tell everyone absolutely yeah I'm not just doing this on TV because I'm on TV. It's like this is an actual project. I would, I would, I would, I would read it and would love to be a part of. Hundred percent. And 100%. I would be mad if I didn't get the odd get it. So it's like, it's so it's it's so that's that has erased all that other uh, need and want of like I need all these people to know who I am or this and this or somebody telling me. Uh, oh, I don't know who the fuck you are, any of that. Cause it's like you, like you were saying, it's like, well, I'm working, I'm working on a thing that I thoroughly enjoy and I get to do my dream. Dude, that's you were on awesome. screen with Mahershala Ali. Like who, like, you know, that's also like a, a, a great, you know, a great thing you're working. Not, not only are you like, you know, a great guy that's working on great things, but you're working with it on, with great people. So, you know, yeah. you do realize that not many people in the world get to like actually say that. And so- yeah. So no, I was, uh, yeah, dude, that was, I still think about that moment because the build up to it was like, I was super, super nervous. It was of like, of course, is an Oscar winning yeah. actor, you know? <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. That was, uh, I can remember every inch of the feeling. I still remember the tra in the trailer pacing back and forth. My, my old roommate was like, yo, you, you got to sit down, man. It's like five in the morning. He's like, you already know the lines. Like you, you got to chill. You're just really like bouncing yeah. all over the place. And then I, I was like, I, I, you know what, I'm just going to go to makeup, I think. Mm. And I leave the trailer and then from, a, it's like 5 a.m. There's no one really out there. And I see him from a distance. I was like, oh, man, this is oh, brutal. He was just like, hey, man, he was just very, like, endearing. And then I kind of, you just don't, I didn't have time. I was just like, this is a very, he was very endearing, very, seemed very laid back, very chill. And I was like, oh, but I was still hella nervous until I think, the first take, the first take, I was like, okay, I'm still nervous, but I'm not as fucking dead ass scared. <laughs> because here's the thing, though. 
you know, as good of an actor you might think you are, he's not even yeah, acting. Like he's just an yeah, actor, and yeah. he's like, and, and you're like, holy fuck! Oh my god! No, I'll tell you something though. He's super, super brilliant, bro. Oh, like, like I know people. I know people. People know that because of his awards, and they watch him on TV. But to be there, you're just like, it's like it's different. Brilliant. Yeah, it's completely different. Cause I like, like I was watching him on True Detective in April, and I remember watching the whole season, and I went, wow, that'll be wild to work with him. I just said that by myself out loud. I was just like, oh, wild, man. What? I'm like, I'll be fucking scared. And then I'm at Just for Laughs in July and they had posted it on Twitter. They're like, oh, he's joining the cast. I was like, this is brutal. Actually, a friend had sent me the message and I'm like, holy shit. This is brutal. (laughs) So, and then that's what I mean. You watch them, but then when you're there, you're like, oh, this is a person who who cares about the craft, like care about stand up. Yeah. You know, and there's a, a, another actor friend of mine, Yesen, who, who does these uh, uh, film school. It's called Film Club. It's on Instagram, too. He, I went, took his classes and he was telling me, you know, you can you can act. But if you want to sharpen your tool and be on it, you have to really be dedicated. And that's what I felt just being being on, being there in those scenes. I was like, this is a very dedicated person to his craft, like the same way. You know, we do open mics or we do shows to, to tighten every aspect of our jokes. This is how, and it was just something, it was such a great experience to, to be there as opposed to not just watching it on TV, but just being in a scene was something, uh, yeah, I'd never forget. But even like, even, even uh, um, and then you look at your, the castmates and they're just fire, like just watching um, every single uh, uh, castmate, like from Steve to Mo to the mother to the dad to May, like the sister, like all of them are just like because they're about their craft too. Like me, Mo, and Rami are this are do stand up, and Steve does stand up. You know, and just watching everybody grow from like one season to the next, and 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 you know, when we're in the scenes, like me, Rami, Mo, and Steve, it's like we're homies. We are homies off camera. So yeah. sometimes you're like. You're not you're not forgetting that you're acting. You're yeah. just like, oh, these are the homies. But then yeah. when you watch when you watch the show, I'm like, oh, these are just so super talented people that I get to to work with, and it's like a family. So it's not like we're I'm going to set and I'm like I got to work with this fucking person. You look right. forward to right. you look forward to yeah. it. You know, it's like uh, it's something that you like wake up every day and you're like, man, I, I, I can't, you can't believe that you're on part of this. That's yeah. and w- when that is like. Man, it is so, as you get older, you start realizing how rare that is, like, and you start realizing, like, man, if once I get it, I'm going to make sure I'm not going to let it pass me by. I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy well, this. Even though I told Rami, like, a few times, I said, bro, the first season, like, dude, I, I got a green card. I worked all my, most of my time to get a green card to move to America to get a job. So... Well, when the van picked the, the van picks you up at your, your spot and it drove, I was, I think we were filming Uptown and it was just like, I was in the van and I was like, oh man, I'm in America on an American TV show after all these years and getting this green card. And it TV was just, show, yeah. a TV show, a TV show, a TV show. Yeah. It was like very like, fuck man. And I never forget that moment as well. And I've told it, I've told it to him like a bunch of times. I keep repeating it to him because to us, 
to, to, to Canadians too. It's like, you know, you're, you're a Canadian actor and a comedian, but then you got to go to another place and, and do the same thing over. You did over here. So it's like, brutal. It's annoying. So to annoying. very, very annoying. So to, uh, to be able to attain that and just also sitting with it, I was not going to take that moment for granted by any means. And I would never at all. How different do you find it over there? Like where like AJ and I have worked some places in the States. Like I have dual citizenship. I was born yeah. in Ohio, but I, I work like the road. I've worked like the Midwest and I'll take AJ to some of those spots yeah. like, or like whatever. And we find like people are like, they're more into it right away. Yeah. Like, oh, it's going to take me a second to break you. It's like right away it's popping. And after shows, more people talk to you like you're about to blow up. Oh, in the Midwest. Yeah, you know, like definitely in the Midwest. I don't know how different LA would be or like New York because I don't have that kind of experience. No, it's, it's still much uh, like when I say much bigger, it's like, you know, uh, where America, everything is not big. But I mean, they do. I've been to parts of the Midwest and I, th I think especially towns like that, even if you go to towns like in Calgary or like, or they do get super excited after a show. Right. Cause there's, there's no, I don't think they're trying to be as cool as a place like Toronto or Vancouver. Is. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. when you get off after stage, they're like, man, what the fuck? Are you going to pop bottles? Like, or is Toronto like, you know, or Vancouver, they might be on their hipster tip and they're just like, Oh, so you do comedy. So yeah, I think yeah. that's the same in the States as well. Like LA, right. they might be a little bit too cool, or New York, but I think um, I think it could be. It's a little bit the same in, in the countries, like you know, with yeah, that. Like, yeah, yeah. Like even uh, you know, like like Jason said, as limited as my experiences with the states, were, like it's been nothing but great, honestly. Going there, like the people are just you know as much problems as the states has, and there's no denying that. But like he said there's a certain appreciation for people that perform there where they're like, Oh, we know that you're, you know, you're, you're doing this for us and you're making us laugh regardless of what our intentions of doing comedy is, but just from their perspective, it just feels like they appreciate it so much. Yeah. And if you're really funny, they're like, Whoa, like, are you, how are you not on TV yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like they, that? You know, stuff. That and it's like, it just, you know, it just feels really nice, man. And, and yeah. I don't know, it just feels really good. Uh, yeah. Again, like, I think those towns are still, I don't want to say towns is like those cities. No, no, not in a bad way. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because they don't get, they're not in the cities where there's constant entertainment, maybe. So if you're in Ohio or if you're in, you know, Detroit. You don't State, take it for granted, no. You do no, like one big club there, right? Like you work like Mark Ridley's Comedy <laughs> Castle. Yeah, that's, I haven't, I've done it in the past when I started, but I've never, yeah. I, I actually went back there. It's funny with Rami when we were doing a press run and we did Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Nice, nice. Press run. It's a great and, club, uh, man. The manager, I had told the manager, bro, I used to, st I started here. And he's like, oh, wild. And Mark wasn't there. I know Mark from back in the day. Yeah. He's like, oh, and I was just, because I kept looking at the whole wall and everything. And he was like, oh, and he was telling me and we just bonded. I think he saw how eager I was. And for me, it was like, <clears throat> years ago, I was doing the Tuesday, I was doing the Wednesday open mic. Oh, okay. There at the club? At that club. And then you fast forward to like 15, like years later, I'm on a press run with for this show i'm on crazy, it was like it was like 
I just was taking in the whole thing. And I think he noticed something because he was like very, he was like, oh, this guy's staring at the pictures so much. Because I remember staring at the pictures uh, 12 years ago. Right. Like, fuck, this day cool on the wall. I have no history with that club. And when I did it, I did the same. I looked at everybody's yeah. picture and I wandered you got around. It. You have it's to. very mesmerizing. You have to. Yes. And I knew guys that, are, that were on the wall that I could do comedy with. And then I also saw pictures right. of people that I started with that be caught on the wall. Yeah. Like I, Nathan's picture was on the wall. Yeah, Nathan Nathan done it. There, like there's a lot of uh, good Canadians up on that wall yeah. too. Darren Rose might have been on the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Darren on that wall too. Yeah. yeah. It's a, and that's like a club where again it's like Detroit, the city, but you get that feel of like the the appreciation after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Detroit has a majority, a lot of entertainment, but I mean, it's in Royal Oak, and I just think again, it's like you're dealing with Midwesters, right? Midwesterners. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a different from like a New York. Did you have a live experience like early on with I guess the Midwest because you started in Windsor, right? Yeah, and then the crowds in the Midwest were fun. There was at the time, you know, if you went to deeper parts where it was predominantly white people and you, you know, you spoke about your ethnicity, there might be some fucking idiot in the crowd or girl that would say something. But I generally had a fun time performing in, in Livonia, Livonia, Dearborn, um, Royal Oak, Ferndale. There was a place called Club Arts. There was Joey's in Livonia, Joey's in, in Dearborn. There was Holly, Michigan had a club. Was it Holly, the club? It was an old ass, I think it was Haunted. Um, and then, yeah, it was like, then there was the Heidelberg in Ann Arbor, which was a Tuesday. Yeah, Ann Arbor has got a... Uh, Royal, I never, I did the open mic. I know the Royal, uh, the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. That's it, they got the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. And then where's Dr. Grins? Again, that's uh, that's in that's out of uh, somewhere. I, I, I fuck, where is it? Not Grand Rapids. I want to say Grand Rapids, but I don't it think. Might so. be. Oh, I can't remember. I think it might be Grand Rapids. I used to do Toledo's Connections, Toledo in, in Toledo and Lansing. Okay. There was a club called Connections. I used to do open mics. The open mic there. Yeah, I never. I had a great time. You know, I started up with cats like Mike Bobbitt, Jeff Ford, who I'm still friends with. Um, the, the guy, what's, why am I forgetting his name now? He's from Michigan. He's on The Daily Show. Why am I forgetting his name, dude? Not Ronnie, obviously. Ronnie's, uh, I think he's from from Australia. Uh, fuck, it's, it slipped my mind, dude. But he, he started after, I think, when I started. And uh, Brent Sullivan, J. Chris Newberg, these were all cats that I was around when I was like super. And Club Arts was, was in Ferndale, and it was, you performed behind the wait, with the wait staff. It was on, so the bar was here and then the stage was behind them. So their heads were club bar and club bar was hilarious. He would like, he would, he's this chubby guy that would show up sometimes. And he was just like a classic club owner or nightclub owner. It was in Ferndale. I did some weird ones. I did one last year in Porter, Indiana. You could still smoke inside. Bro, there's some wild ones, man. It was club bars. I would I would take a train. I would take a train or a bus from Toronto, come visit my family, drop my luggage off, get my mom's car, and drive across the border at like nine forty five to catch club bars at ten thirty. Wow, like that's how much I didn't even sit and say hi to my. I'd be like, hi mom, hi blah blah blah, and she'd be like, where are you going? I'm like, I need your car. 
go across the border, do like seven minutes. How long did you, if you started in the winter, how long were you there before you moved to Toronto? I started, I moved to Toronto 24, 25. So I would you're, like- You're already like four or five years in? Kinda, I started when I was 19 and then when I was 20, I was at St. Clair College for four years and I was, nice. I wasn't, I didn't know anything about comedy. I wasn't like going out every night. I yeah. thought you do yeah. one set and someone notices you. So this club manager at Yuck Yucks got mad at me. He's like, you're, you're falling off. You're not even putting any work. I'm not gonna let you do guest spots on Thursdays until you start putting in work. So I started looking up clubs in Michigan, but I was failing in college when I would put too much time into comedy. So my mom goes, you can't do that. So I would just pick it up in the summer. Okay. Okay. It wasn't until I graduated, so I think 19, 20, 21, 22. So maybe about 23, 24 is when I took it serious and then moved to Toronto. Right. Okay. I did a year in Windsor working a factory job from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Those are the two shifts. Oh, right. And I would get out of work and go across the border seven days a week to do comedy. I would have my mom make my lunch or I would have my mom set some up so that I could leave from work all the way across the border. I would bring my friend Mark with me and have him drive because I, I would catch some sleep in the car so that I can come home and wake up two hours later to do 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Wow. I was, like, I was just, I was trying to save up enough money to move to Toronto, which I did. I think I saved up about $16,000 and I moved to Toronto. Nice. I was 24. And then I, yeah, and that's, that's the, Time, and I haven't been back. Like, that's the yeah. last time I lived in Windsor. Right, right. Yeah, you just got out of there. Really, it's um, yeah, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard. It's a hard move, but like you just realize that, like, unless you take that, you know, that step, like, it's just, it's not. Nothing is gonna come out of it, right? Like, you have to. No, dude. It's like even when I I went back in the summer before COVID and I did a show and we had it was a very small. They let me this. It's a old, the comedy club doesn't exist anymore, but yeah. they were like you can use this space. And when we had 90 people packed in there. What do you use I, your old comedy club space? Like you just rented it out? I, they just let me have the night and they, they, they took a percentage and I took a percentage. Right. Okay. Okay. And then we had like my whole family, basically everyone came with like 90 people packed in there. Yeah. Dude, was, uh, no, no, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it was just like, it was fun because I got to see people from, from like all walks of, of like my life in Windsor. And then my boy, Mike Bobbitt, who I started with hosted and Jeff Ford, another buddy came out. So we, all three of us were in the same venue, like, Great. like old times when we started. Yeah, no, I, I remember, I think like, uh, was it, I think last year, last summer, uh, me and my friends were doing run at East coast and, uh, we were actually like, kind of like, uh, we were, we were following you. Yeah, we, we, I remember that. We did the bus theater, and we probably, I don't know, we probably like sold like, I don't know, like 20 or 30 seats, and it was like completely quiet, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I'm sorry, guys, we couldn't sell much for you, uh, you know, good news, we have the Raj next week. I'm like, oh, well, that's a little bit hurtful, but I totally understand. <laughs> well, um, no, they had uh... They, I'm, they, like, they, I'm like, well, you, I love Dave Raj, but what you're doing right now is make me hate him for a little bit. <laughs> so fucking, how about you just skip that part and let's just give us whatever covers our gas money and let's get out of here. Were you living well, out there at the time? Because I know you were filming Jerry D. Yeah. D. 
and then you were out east for that. So you would live out there for a while, right? No, this, this is what happened just to help, just to tell you what, what fully happened with bus stop as well. So it's not, um, I, I, would, I would go out and film, but I would stay sometimes four days or three days and I'd fly back to Toronto and back right, to, right. so it was mostly, that's what I would do in the summer. And um, I see, I see, I'm, I'm in one of the, the vans going back to the hotel and I see Lebanese festival being set up. And I asked the driver, I go, there's Lebanese people out here? And they were like, what? There's an abundance amount of Lebanese people here. I go, ain't that some shit? So I, but after I, after I think Mr. D's done, the show's not on anymore. We get a call from a Lebanese I don't even, I can't remember how it happened. My name got passed along. A Lebanese festival in Halifax is doing, wants a stand-up comic. So I go down and do three nights. I do a, the opening night, seven minutes, and I do a half hour and then a half hour. Through that, they had a guy named John Fadul. He's a Lebanese guy, host. He's never done comedy. He just wanted to try it. Right, so right. he's telling me, he's like, bro, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. But I found him so funny off stage and we had a great time he said you like the guy, guy. Like, yeah he love did. the guy and he and he, he 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 held his own for not doing stand-up ever yeah we, yeah yeah we became homies and i became homies mm -hmm. with his friends so one of his boys is quake matthews who's a very dope ass rapper from halifax who check him out look up all this shit He's super, super dope. He's done records with, with classified, like uh, Pat Stay. So he's just super, he's super awesome. He's half Lebanese. So I became friends with all these guys. Or, you know, so me and John were like, I was like, yo, I'm gonna come through the West. I'm gonna come through the East Coast. Do you wanna do a show together? And then that's when he found Bus Stop and then we both collaborated. So I already had been down there planning like, I guess planting seeds. Yeah, so yeah. I knew it was, I, they already saw me at this Lebanese fest that had 500 people a night. Mm. So it was like, they were packed into this like, this like banquet hall, bro. And it was kids everywhere. It was like all ages. It was like a half hour of clean material. So I already had some kind of like footing there. So that's the only reason I went and did Halifax. So, you're saying, right. so okay. you're saying that you did a great festival where you made connections and then you're like, so, I mean, it's not making anything is better for my self-esteem, but you know what? It's no, all, no. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's, it's totally, no, I, I, I'm I, happy for you. That's all I'm saying. I'm happy for you. No, no. I wanted to tell you the reason I told you guys, because the way the bus stop might've made it like, they're like, well, we have him next week. It's, it's not, fully me that brought the people out to bus stop. I have to give it up to uh, Fadul because a lot of his, a lot yeah, of- no, no, absolutely. No, I totally understand. But even almost at the same time, we were just like, even like excited that you were going to be there. Yeah. And we were also like, oh, we're at the place that he's going to yeah, be. Yeah, gonna you be know there. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. when we went That's to Hell's funny. Basement, he was going to be on the week after. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Oh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Look, I just want to give props to John because John did partially sell that. Without John, I might have had 20 people. That's why I had to say that whole story because... No, you, were, you would have still done great, man. You would have still I, done great. East Coast no, is a he, weird animal that way, though, too, where you can have, like, a lot of credits and have a lot of stuff built up, yeah. and they still just want to go see Johnny Galoshes or whatever. It's like... <laughs> Well, well we put in a raincoat and then they're like, oh, he's huge out here. And you're like, what? Bro, we couldn't sell. Me and Ali Hassan had to cancel Winnipeg at one of the shows at the theater there. And the guy was like, look, it's not your fault. We have like Juno winning artists here that can't, you got to put in the legwork. Yeah. And they're saying the same thing. They had a local guy that was doing a show 
for like seven years and he would sell out now yeah, without every time, just, him every to time yeah. It in. yeah yeah and then dude i think i think you know you've done hell's is it hell's basement, hell's basement. yeah yeah, yeah. But I mean, hell's basement is like it's got its own unique spin of like we're kind of secretive so i think that helps yeah. sell it out oh no no and that's for a, sure, for us, for like, sure. like yeah for our night it was sold out and definitely yeah. wasn't for because of any of us but it was but that's just because of like that that venue is awesome. It's great, man. And Shannon does yeah. a great job of like getting people in seats. Yeah. And that that that's easily one of the best comedy clubs I I've ever performed in. And it's, it's, it's such a such a great. But, but that that's why that's what I wanted to tell you too. It's like the the cities that I pick now are purposely purposely picked because of like of like i can i because of years of going back there and, uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean like I mean, like if you look at professional comics when they, you know like famous guys even when they like like post their dates they're not everywhere they they know their market they know who's going to come yeah. out to see them and there's no point of going to a city that you've yeah. never performed at and expecting it to sell but the funny thing about hell's basement is so funny because we, we were there at the venue when we were getting ready to get on, right? So I, I'm a little bit nervous. It's like, you know, my first time doing 15 minutes. So I'm like, oh, fuck. And it's, you know, everybody's there. And then I look up at the at the stage and I see they have a TV on the stage and they're playing uh, somebody's Netflix special. They're playing clips. And I'm like, who the fuck? And I was like, oh, that's Dave Mahesh. And I'm like, what is he doing there? And they're like, oh, he's going to be here next week. And I'm like, this is not good. So this funny. is not good. Uh, this so is like, I'm doing 15 minutes, probably mediocre Dude, at what, best. And why? Like, this is just Dude, That's hard. what happens like, at those clubs, man. When I did the Comedy Castle, they're playing. I'm in the green room, and they're playing clips of Dave Attell, who's going to be there next week. And I'm like, get fucked. <laughs> Like I don't want to also, also when I did bus stop, they 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 did a they were they were doing a Globe and Mail article, but mm -hmm. I, I recorded the article in Toronto. Mm -hmm. But they had the photographer take pictures of me in uh in uh house. I, and he goes, Hey man, I'm gonna stay for the show. I go, I cannot bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have the guy do a whole photo shoot before the article's already out, and then this oh, guy too. And then yeah. Like, yeah, and he's like, "Well, so, he was funny in this article. I don't know, like, I don't know what to tell." But you. people didn't show up. That's what I mean. He had to take pictures of the crowd. Yeah, so if yeah. Didn't show up. It would have looked whack. And I, because I wanted to get pictures done in Toronto, but there was just yeah. no time. Absolutely. So and they were like. We are. We got someone in Halifax. I was like so nervous. I was like, I need to fucking sell this out, bro. Yeah. I can't have this guy come here, take pictures, and be like, because yeah, the article was like, you know, when they make articles where like this guy's on the verge of something. Yeah. yeah. Of something, and yeah. then it's an empty place. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, verge of suicide. That's the part that we left. Yeah. That's the part it's that like, this guy's gonna kill himself after this uh, yeah, article. I think this, I think this journalist is a bully. I think like this guy is really picking on this poor guy that's got nothing going on in his life, you know. <laughs> So that's what I mean. Like we, I made sure me and John Fadul, we fucking promoted the fuck out of that thing. Like he would, and he was like new to promoting. So he messaged me every like three days. He goes, what the fuck's wrong with these people? They see me in the streets. They say they're coming and there's only eight tickets sold. Fuck these people. And I had to calm them down. Yeah. 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 But he doesn't know, like you yeah, guys we all promote shows. So this guy's a, a civilian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he like doesn't know. So like it's a, but you're also nervous, and he doesn't understand that. But at the same time, like you're calming yourself down. You're calming him yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. I had to calm. 
you know, I had to calm them down because again, the article thing. And also I'd never been to Halifax and perform like that. I was just doing yuck yucks guest spots yeah. and just right. filming. So it was like uh, Toronto, I wouldn't be that nervous because I've put on shows here for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I, in Montreal now, the nest, I understand how they work. So I don't get as nervous for people to come. Yeah. But I've been going to that club for like, again, like eight years. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Do you, uh, so, so I, 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 when I first met you, I told you that I was a big fan of Rami and I loved, I love that show so much just because of like how um, it, it speaks a lot about like Arab things that we don't really necessarily talk. The one episode that I loved is when Rami's character was trying to have sex with an Arabic girl that he was on a date with. And yeah. uh, so he was like, kind of, you know, he, and this is like the weird thing about Arabs is that like Arab guys will do things with non-Arab women yeah, or, or just Arab guys will do things with non-Arab people. And then Arab women will do, you know, things with non-Arab, you know, guys, but like, we'll never do them together. So just to see that episode where she's like, just, you know, finger me. And he's like, you know, kind of feeling for her because like, oh, you're, I don't want you to feel ashamed. But she's like, no, I'm fucking horny. Just fucking finger me. And to me, yeah. that just was like, blew my mind. I'm like, it's something that I think, but it's the first time that I've seen it on screen. So it, 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 it's, it's such a weird thing to see. Like, this is like, even though this might be embarrassing for us, but it's something that needs to be on display. Yeah, you know, it's funny, dude. That's exactly because those were... I remember I was writing, we were, we had a development deal with like, with, with this, with Viacom, me and Ali Hassan, and we were writing a show and we had this one idea for an episode where I would have sex. I would, I, it was this thing, we were, we were on Tinder and, and I was like, I want to start dating within my own culture. Yeah. And then Ali was, I think, I think the point of it, it was like, was I was dating outside of my culture because they would do things yes. that I didn't think within my culture would yes. do. And I, I think we came up with an idea of like, uh, you don't know that I, I, I dry humper, mm -hmm. but her brothers show up and they, because they're like, why would you do this to our, do to our, to our sister? But again, the sister is like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, I want him to do that. Yeah. I want him to do this because it's like such a, we, we, I think that too. I'm like, she won't want me to finger her. She wants me to get married. Yeah, yeah, well, she, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. But she's like, no, motherfucker, I'm fucking horny. And she was like, yeah. do you have a condom? He's like, no, I don't have a condom. She's like, well, fucking just finger me, whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and, and we like, it's so fucked up that we tend to forget that our women are actually women, you know? It's like yeah. we, we just see them as these, like, you know, just like precious, like, wife to be and just mother of children and not realize that they're like human beings just like us but it's like we're it, it's so fucked up like why am i embarrassed for her if that's what she wants then she should be like you know free and comfortable enough to like want these things you know and, and it was uh, i i it was so cool to see on camera yeah it was it was a great episode and it resonated so well but my question the reason why i brought this up is that obviously you're a big part of the show now um how did that come to be that you were on the show uh, I've known him for a lot of years. I think I met him when he was like 18, 19 at the Arab Comedy Festival in New York. We stayed in touch, very, you know, not intensely. But then when I moved to LA in 2015, I knew he was out there, but he had posted a flyer of a show and, and I reached out to him and we started to hang out. I was staying at his place at one point 
And then we just became closer friends there. And then what happened was I was, I told him I was moving to New York and he goes, Oh, I have a homie if you want to stay with him and then see how you like what area you want. And then I had seen him in a restaurant, him and one of the, one of the other co one of the co-creators and writers, Ryan, and they had just told me they sold the show. Wow. I was like, this is amazing. Wow. And then I saw him when I moved to New York cause he, they announced that they were doing the pilot. So he's like, would you, he goes, do you want to audition? I was like, yeah. He said, okay, we're running these auditions. But I, when he called me to come in, I was like, hey man, I'm in China doing comedy. He goes, okay, just do a self tape. I go, I don't have anyone to read with me. He goes, just flip it into a monologue then. So I get to Beijing, the person who picks me up, the promoter, uh, like- You got to early... Beijing, China? Yeah. The so audition was in China? No, he was performing there. Oh, you were performing, performing there, performing. oh, okay. okay. He had called me, he, was, he, he thought I was still in New York, but I was like, no, I'm in China for like eight days or 10 mm -hmm. days. I, was, I did Hung, Hangzhou, Chinadu, Shanghai two nights, um, Beijing, and then Singapore. Did you so, break COVID? Is that what happened? <laughs> this is like 2017. I might have known about it, but didn't say anything. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a nutritionist. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, COVID, COVID. Just, Five milligrams. Just, just, like, a, just right. a dash. Just a dash of COVID. Yeah, you go. Uh, let me. Uh, let me get a hot dog and a little bit of that COVID. Yeah. Um, so I, she goes, I go, how am I going to get this monologue done? So she, the promoter lady goes, I'll come back and get you. We'll go for food. So when she came back, I was like, uh, do you mind helping me with something? And she's like, what? And I, again, she, <laughs> she was so annoyed. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, she didn't know. I was like a self tape. She goes, what self tape? I go, um, it's this show. I don't even know what the show's about. Yeah. You don't know. You, you, you something. have the lines and that's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so she comes to my room, which is weird, probably, for sure, for her. Mm -hmm. So she sets up, she, I tell her to record it on my phone, so she has it like this. We do the take, and I go, is that good? And she goes, yes, she goes, she pulls the phone down, she goes, no, she goes, run it back. She didn't say run it back, she goes like this. I go, okay, and then I do it, and then she goes, better. I was like, that was weird. The, at one point, she, I thought she didn't know anything about this, but now she's critiquing me. Yeah. So two nights later, I think I'm in Singapore, I'm sleeping and it's like four in the morning there. And my agent calls me or texts me. She's like, you got the part. Wow. And you're in the pilot. And I text that girl because we're in a chat group. And I was like, yo, we did it. She was like super pumped. And then I flew to Vancouver and I had gigs there and I had to cancel them and fly to New York on a Friday rehearse Sunday and Monday we filmed the pilot and then I think that was in December and then in April of the next year is when we found out he had called me and said we got greenlit and we're going to do a season wow. so that's what I was talking about wow fucking awesome man it was uh yeah it was super super again I was driving to Astoria Queens to film the pilot and I was like or a scene from the pilot and I was like like early ass in the morning I was like, yo, this is so cool to be in New York doing this with the sun coming up. It was just super, it was great. You just realize that like, you know, you get to, those are the moments where you get to like, I'm going to relax a little bit and like, just like really take this all in and just enjoy it. Dude, I, I, to, tell, to tell people flying in to do the pilot, I had to take three connection flights mm. from Vancouver to New York and then three yeah. connection flights back. You got to make it. That's how like you're going to be there somehow. You have to figure it yeah. out. 
and and Jason will like kind of attest to this. I'm not really necessarily the guy that like you know really like necessarily talks a lot about like ethnicity stuff and like and, and not necessarily. I wouldn't say like I'm not necessarily, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I'm not necessarily the guy that brags a lot or takes a lot of pride in being an Arab. Not that I'm ashamed of it, but it's just yeah. not something you know. You know, it's in the back of my head, but it's not something that's like forefront or anything like that. So usually, I don't really get pumped, you know, as much about stuff, you know, unless it's like I like it or not. But this was legit, and I'm not saying that just because you're here, but this is legit one of those shows where I'm like, I'm so happy that this exists because you know it's not just an attempt at putting Arabs on TV for just for the fuck of it. It's like no, it's there, but it's like it's doing something. It's you know, you know, like really like telling our story and kind of, you know, putting us in not necessarily a bad or a good light, but it's a realistic light. And that's more important to me than anything personally as an Arab. And just seeing that show, it, it just like, it was like, man, this is like, this is, this is reality. This is, they're not trying to be funny about it, even though there's like obviously millions of funny moments, but they're not tr necessarily, you know, trying hard it's like this is how it is and this is what like the young generation is thinking and just to see that was like I, I, you know you, it was one of those rare moments where like i'm very proud that this thing exists yeah everything you just said is very well said and it's funny that you were saying that i was with i was with uh, my lady now you were talking about how sometimes when i'm around arabs i don't feel as arab because i was born in canada and when i'm around canadians I feel Arab. Yeah, you're in purgatory. I mean, yeah, you're in purgatory, yeah. She thought that was, she was like, that's very interesting. And it's the same thing as you speak, when you were starting off that, that what you were talking about. And for me, seeing a show like Rami as well as the same thing was like, wow, it's, it's like you said, it's not necessarily a show just for the sake of having a Middle Eastern cast. Yeah. On TV. It, which is like the worst, one of the, you know, as like, as like minorities are like, fuck that. I don't need somebody to pander to me, you know, but. No, and I think he's, I think he's smart enough not to, he didn't do that. And I think no. he was, he, and he was trying to get the story that he wanted out. And I think he was, again, not trying to show the good or the, the bad. Just or, real. Like, he, wants just to fight. Real. he just wanted to show it up. Just, yeah. you want, you take it how it is, man. Exactly. You know what I mean? And show and, how and and that's exactly what I loved about it. Again, it wasn't pandering. It was just like raw, like, yeah. you know, in you know, showing things were like, you know, the young Arab generation, like they're like in North America, like this is what exactly how we feel about a lot of things. And this is how it, and it was just like really, I know it was like representation was proper. That's really what it boils down to. And not, no character is perfect. That's nope. what I liked about it. And that's how, that's more realistic in real life. Nobody's yeah. truly perfect. Your character, even though like, he's like supposed to be like, you know, this like good boy, you know, a good Arab boy that was brought up. You have your flaws because you're timid yeah. a little bit and all that stuff. And like, Mo's character is like legit, like the bro dude that's like, he's a family <laughs> guy on the surface, but he loves drinking and he loves fucking around and like all that yeah. stuff. So it was just like, it was great. No, no, I, we, uh, we, we, he would appreciate you saying this as well, too, man. Uh, I mean, but I, I have nothing but respect for you guys and what you do. It's absolutely it's just a privilege to be able to see that happen, man. Appreciate it, bro. Of course. We thank so much for doing this, too. We really, um, it means a lot, man. No, no, I, I had, a, I uh, genuinely had a great time, man. A great uh, conversation as well, too, which is a very, like, 
very, very important. They're very much, especially right now, man. We appreciate that. Now. We really appreciate that, man. Is there any? Well, you kind of, you both came with like, you can, you both came with like, you know, like you knew what you were doing and you knew what you wanted to ask and, and, uh, and the energy was, was, was perfect. So sometimes, you know, you know, it's like, all, sometimes it's all over the place, which, you know, it's no one's fault, but you know what I mean? It was no, great. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Well, it does help that we kind of like know you a little bit, you know, we've, yeah, we've, yeah. You know, we've crossed paths even though yeah. briefly, but uh, you know, uh, so you're a very easy person to talk to anyways, even when, when it was just you and me, uh, like I, I tell these guys, like well, there one time where we ran into each other at comedy bar, and uh, you were like, "Hey, you, you want to hang out, like get beers?" And I said, that, "And I said to you, like, nah, I gotta go home." And then as I was like, getting on the stairs of the comedy, I'm like, "Why the fuck did I say no?" <laughs> and I just, I would, tell, me I would tell it, these man. guys, and they would yell at me, and they would yell at me, like, "Why didn't you just sit and have a beer with him? What the fuck is wrong with you?" I'm like, "I know, I'm just, I'm a mess. What do you want?" I do remember. I'm like, okay, dude, we're all having a good time. I, I was like, I always. <laughs> well, yeah. just so you know, I regret it. I did want to say, I just my first reaction. You know how it is. Like, I don't want to yeah. be a burden. I don't want to be a burden to him. He just might be asking to be polite. You know what I mean? No, like, no, we were. I, I get it, but we, you know, we, those nights we we really went in hard to get lit. So I was like, I love. I love like, you know, I already met you and I was like, oh, he's cool. He's not, he's not a psychopath. So it's like, you know, he can kick it and we can kick it and we just all get fucked up. So it was a kind of like, I, that's why I love that, that place in particular because it brought yeah. everyone together. Yeah. But no, that is super, super funny. I also didn't know we were recording for like at least 20 minutes. Dude, we just started because the conversation was just rolling, so we just started. Exactly, we usually have an intro, and we didn't even did the intro, so like, fuck it. That's what I mean. How I was like, this is a this is a good combo. I was like, then I had to look at the thing. I go, oh, it is recording. Oh no, but we hit it. We weren't. We weren't. And I was like, usually we, you know, our guests when we're doing on Zoom, we kind of like talk a little bit just to get the wheels rolling. And then we were like, okay, we're going to start and do the intro. But with you, like, we just kept going. So I was like, oh, shit, we're not going to stop. So I have to go and record this. So we'll, like, just, yeah, we'll just hit it, so and just, then we'll add an intro later. We're going to do Joe Rogan oh, stuff. Yeah, we'll just yeah, go we'll into it. Joe Rogan style intro. No, no, I just thought it was, like, very organic. I was like, oh, this is, like, usually, which was good. I was They're like, like dude, yeah, it's actually better this way. We should trick no, more we should people trick like more this people yeah. than just hit record after. It was, like, a very casual uh progression into what we were doing because i was like legit i was like because the the beginning part you know was i felt organic which it was and then it just then an hour later we're talking still yeah, and yeah. Like, oh that's cool that's like it just felt like yeah it felt like i i felt one giant conversation as opposed to i'm doing a podcast right now right no we right. don't like the whole no, fucking interview like thing like you are our guest but at the end of the day we don't want to interview we want to talk to you and that's like really the whole point, right? We want to get to know you, but not like an interrogation where it's like, you know, 9085, you were here. What did, how did that make you feel? Yeah. Like, you don't want, you know, Larry King style. We don't want to do that. So I will say this. Do you have anything to plug? That's the yes, podcasty please. thing we do. If you have anything to push right now. Oh, yeah, I, sh I should do this because it's like something that means a lot to me and the, the people we're a part of doing is uh, it's called The Beautifully Anxious. It's a podcast that myself, my co-host Fivos and, a, and an actual therapist, Ben, Bennett do we have four episodes out it's on all streaming platforms from Apple to Spotify just you know listen to it it's each 
each episode talks about a different part of mental health and, and it's, and it's with a real professional therapist. So you are getting informed at the same time. So uh, just, you know, download it and write, write a, you know, write a note and tell us how you say the name again. It's called the beautifully anxious. And there's an Instagram account under that, that you can go and follow. All right. Cool. And then we'll follow Dave Mirage on Instagram yeah. and Facebook as well. You know, check his Netflix uh, special. Uh, check him on Rami. Season two came out a while ago. Go watch that. So watch the first and the second. So watch it all. Yeah. It's and, in Canada. It's on Crave TV stars. And then the U.S. it's Hulu. Yes. So, yeah. Go to his mom's house. Visit his Juno. Yes. Yeah. Go day. touch it, you know. Yeah. Tell him, tell him, tell Dave it's okay, you know. Good. I, I had to borrow someone's Crave account and Hulu account to watch it. So watch your stuff. <laughs> I don't even have an account, but it's all. Good. I don't think you should tell it because you have like an alert to you right now. You don't want to ruin that. You don't want to ruin that, Dave. I'm, I'm gonna cut that out for you. Just for you. I'm doing you a favor. <laughs> Much love, man. We appreciate. Much love, man. Here, man. It, man. Enjoy the rest okay. of your day. We'll talk to you later, man. You yeah, man. You play.